the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Believe Tucker Carlson. That's on me. Believe Tucker Carlson is my point. Uh, Most of the media are having fun today mocking Tucker for what he said last night and what he claimed is uh, pretty serious if it's true. And I believe it's true, by the way. Not sure if I believe he can ever prove it or if anybody will ever have to pay for it, but here's what he said. The war on terror, now ongoing for 20 years, has pivoted in its aims. The war on terror is now being waged against American citizens, opponents of the regime. We saw this on display on January 6th. We told you a couple of weeks ago, based on language in publicly available indictments, that the FBI clearly had foreknowledge of the riot at the Capitol that day. And the agents we spoke to this weekend confirmed that is true. Quote, the FBI had sources in that crowd, confidential sources, snitches. That's 100% certain. But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now that's a shocking claim and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. We did it mostly as a formality. We've also contacted the press office at both NSA and the FBI. We don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that usually goes. Only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do that immediately. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. If they are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us, they are almost certainly doing it to others. This is scary, and we need to stop it right away. Now, if you don't believe him, stick around for our second half hour today. I'm going to replay an interview with investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson, who had plenty of proof that her computers and phones were hacked by the FBI. She said way back in January of 2020 that it's a common practice And speaking of the media, when we come back after this break, why Americans have less trust in the media than anybody in the world. Stick around. Okay, let's play a little game. How many pairs of footwear do you think Skechers have sold? 100 million? 200 million? 500 million? Not even close. Shunak the Magnificent? Over 2 billion with a capital B. 
Why? Because so many people worldwide have discovered that with every pair of Skechers, comfort is included. So once they try them on, they fall in love with the comfort. Then they get another pair, and another, and another. And how do Skechers include comfort in every pair? By being a comfort technology company and putting comfort innovations in every nook and cranny of their footwear. With features like air-cooled memory foam, hyper-burst foam, breathable knits, ultra-go cushioning, and more. And comfortable fits like relaxed fit, stretch fit, wide fit, seamless fit, arch fit with expert certified arch support, just to name a few. So if you're looking for stylish footwear that doesn't cost a fortune and feels like a million bucks, get yourself a pair of Skechers. Because no matter what pair you choose, you can be guaranteed one thing. They'll be comfortable right out of the box. Find them at Skechers.com, a Skechers store, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-In Pest-Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest-Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-In Pest-Free goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair dinkum. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com, promo code P-E-N. Go pestfree.com promo code pen. Don't spray and regret plug in and forget. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's green so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 mix up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and $10 coupon using code PETS. That's $10 coupon using code PETS. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950, much cheaper than replacing your carpets. 2021 is the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air, allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter, and with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews, averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navage users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, as I mentioned in the open, most of the media are having a lot of fun mocking Tucker Carlson for saying last night that the 
NSA has been spying on him and that he has proof of it. And coming up in our second half hour, you're going to hear my interview with uh, investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson. She sued the DOJ for hacking her computers and phones. And when you hear what she had to say way back then, I think you'll believe Carlson. You probably shouldn't expect the media to show much interest in the story. Jeff McCall is a communications professor at DePaul University and a media critic for The Hill and FoxNews.com and a regular guest here. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again. As usual, good to have you. You're You're welcome, John. Great to be with you. So uh, should and will the uh, media show any curiosity about what Tucker Carlson said last night, or or is it going to be just mocking him? Well, I don't think the traditional establishment media is that interested in Tucker Carlson. I think they view him as part of the enemy, so to speak. He's on a channel that seems to be successful, and he's talking about things that they won't talk about. And so I don't think that they're going to be that interested now. If there was any evidence that the, the, you know, the security apparatus was spying on the New York Times, we'd all be worried about that. But for Tucker Carlson, I think they kind of figure he's part of the enemy and they're not really that worried about whether he gets in trouble or not. Uh, I think his accusations were quite interesting and worth pondering, uh, particularly given uh, what Merrick Garland is saying at the Department of Justice and Joe Biden has said that their administration is not going to be involved in trying to surveil journalists. So if it turns out that this is true and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to get too far down this path uh, until Tucker Carlson provides a little bit more evidence. But I think it's certainly plausible. Uh, and we know that Fox News uh, reporters were surveilled during the Obama administration. And uh, your upcoming guest, Cheryl Atkinson, of course, is a very prominent and well-respected journalist who has uh, plenty of evidence that she was subject to surveillance as well. So it's plausible. And I'll be interested to see what more evidence Tucker Carlson provides. But I don't expect the traditional media to get on his bandwagon or support his concern. Should they? Oh, sure they should, because the bottom line here is if journalists anywhere are being surveilled by the intelligence community, it's bad for the flow of information and certainly contrary to the interests of the First Amendment. And that's where you you would think, this is not the case, but you would think that the journalism community together would want to work to support journalists who are working on any number of stories, whether they're ideologically left or right, shouldn't matter to them, but they should be interested in the free exercise of journalism and the free flow of information, uh, regardless of the point of view. But that's the sad thing, is that in the journalism industry today, they're as polarized as kind of the, the people walking the halls of Congress, uh, and they're as polarized as many other of the culture warriors around the country, and so they want to take sides, and I don't think that's healthy, because I would like to think that the journalism community should have some standards in terms of independence and the free flow of information that should cross any ideological boundaries that would be out there. Do you think that uh, if last night uh, Don Lemon had said that the NSA had been spying on him, or if he had said it back in uh, 2020 or 2019 when Donald Trump was president, do you think Fox would have shown any interest in, in or any, first of all, would they have believed him? Would they have mocked him? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I wouldn't be, I'd be actually kind of surprised if they took a lot of interest in it, if it was the enemy, their enemy too. Well, I, 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 I'm not sure they would buy it hook, line, and sinker, but I think they'd be interested in it. And I think there would at least be some coverage of it from Fox or the right-leaning media, including Breitbart and those kinds of organizations. But 
with the Tucker Carlson allegations, it's pretty much just silence from the traditional media. And I think that's a little bit of a difference. So, yeah, uh, although I must say, uh, frankly, I think Tucker Carlson has more credibility uh, than a guy like Don Lemon. And I know people think that Tucker Carlson is rather edgy in his reporting and very opinionated. Uh, but I must say that for the most part, what he has reported has stood up to, you know, inspection from the outside. Uh, and I'm not sure you can say that necessarily about a guy like Don Lemon. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Reuters did a survey and found out that the United States ranks dead last among 46 countries surveyed. Last out of 46 countries in media trust. Only 29% of the people surveyed said that they trust the media, Americans. Have uh, they earned that distrust, the media, over the yeah. last several years? Sadly, I think United States media has earned that designation. Uh, and it's a sad reflection on, you know, what should be, you know, a, a beacon of freedom around the world. The United States, I think, is still regarded uh, with envy in terms of press freedoms and uh, free expression rights, because we have a First Amendment. So there are constitutional protections in the United States that are not even found in other Western-style democracies around the globe. So uh, it's very sad that our journalism industry has deteriorated to the point it has, but I think there's reason for why so many Americans no longer trust the media. And I think part of it is they see polarization in reporting. I think they also view that the media is now part of the establishment. And I know you and I have talked about that before, but I think that is a very dangerous position that the big media corporations now are viewed as part of the establishment because over the years I've always felt like the media should be surrogates for the public. They should be representing our interests rather than the interests of establishment politicians or corporations or, what, or, the, or the swamp, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think in this day and age, most Amer average Americans now look at establishment media and say they don't represent us. They're out there representing their own selfish interests or the establishment generally. And that is reflected in this study from the Reuters Institute, you know, where America is dead last. Now, there are some other countries near the bottom of these rankings, too. Fran France uh, is just barely above the United States and Greece and Hungary and South Korea and the Philippines are also very low. But you would like to think that the United States should be at way ahead of countries like South Korea and the Philippines and Hungary and France, uh, because, number one, we have constitutional protections, and, number two, the United States kind of created uh, the whole uh, culture of free expression and journalism and free press. And for our own nation to turn against those kinds of standards and reflect that on our, our journalism industry is a very sad reflection. And by the way, I'm not blaming any of the citizens. I think their their feelings are heartfelt. I think they're genuine, and I think they're on target. And our citizenry is speaking to the journalism industry in the United States, and the journalism establishment has just not listened uh, over the last, r really, 10 to 15 years. And I think that's important to note, too, is that a lot of people still blame trust for the uh, – they, they blame Trump, Donald Trump, for the decline in trust in the mainstream media. And I, and I think it's really important to note that media credibility in the United States was on the decline for the 15, 20 years before Donald Trump even ran for office. And so the American public was already keen to the problems in the journalism industry, and that was reflected in polling. 
well before Trump came on the scene and started talking about the press being the enemy of the people and fake news and all that kind of stuff. So I think people need to look at this in a broader trajectory and realize that the American media establishment has been in decline for, I think, at least 15, 20 years. And so what we're seeing now uh, is just a culmination of what has been a growing trend. And, and I'm not sure if there's anything on the horizon that would suggest the media is ready to turn this train around or to at least stop digging their own hole because, you know, we continue to watch, you know, some of the traditional mainstream media outlets and, you know, false reporting by, you know, rather prominent news outlets and all the stories that, you know, they ran with so heavy for a long time from Russian collusion all the way down to Donald Trump parading for a photo op, you know, to clear out the park near the White House, which, which the White House had nothing to do with, as we find out later. And I think they're so far down this path now that they want to look at every story through the lens of ideology rather than to try to report facts and go where those lead. I wonder, uh, Jeff, we're talking to Jeff McCall, communications professor at DePaul University. Uh, I wonder um, if that lack of trust has come as a result of the freedom that the American media have uh, and if the freedom that they have to be so critical of the government that uh, everybody is taking their shots and it's become, as you said, um, so much of a, a battle, so much competition for viewers and, uh, and everybody you know, kind of getting into their own camp that uh, the very freedom that we have has created a, a media that maybe is a little bit over the top in their uh, mixture of opinion with facts, and that's just eroded the trust uh, all the way around. Well, you're right. There's erosion of trust all the way around, but, but I would back up just a little bit and say that, you know, criticizing the government and being caustic or polarizing or pointed in analysis has been a tradition of American media going way back, you know, to the era of Thomas Jefferson and that gang. I mean, Thomas Jefferson in his second inaugural address spent part of the time attacking the media of all things. I mean, it's interesting if you read Thomas Jefferson's second inaugural address and he's criticizing the news media for running fake news, basically. He sounds like Trump almost. So, I mean, there's been a long tradition of the press attacking you know, the government and public officials. I think the key difference now is that there's always been somewhere, I think, in the press where people could read and look for honest reporting to go with the analysis and the criticisms. And I think now we live in a time where you don't have a front page that is supposed to be fact-based, or you don't have a network newscast at 6.30 on NBC that is relatively fair and objective that there's opinion in all the original reporting now, and I think that is what that is what has disgruntled so many American news consumers, is that they don't think that there is a place for accurate and fair reporting, um, that it's all now basically designed to kind of push opinion or to scream or polarize the nation, which is ultimately not helpful. And I think that's one thing too is that you know we should never get away from a media or, you know media institute that believes in providing analysis and opinion. But I think it needs to be based on some foundation of reporting, and I think it should also be based on some sort of you know, civil approach to the world. And when you watch some of the hosts on MSNBC in the evening, you can just tell how angry they are, that they're not really trying to engage in balanced conversation or analysis. 
they're basically trying to beat up political opponents or belittle people uh, on issues that they don't agree with. And, and ultimately that is harmful. And, and we see that reflected in social media, which I guess is another whole thing, maybe a topic for another day. But uh, the culture of polarization and the flow of information has gotten really out of hand. And the sad thing is, uh, and this is reflected in that uh, survey or the report that you referenced from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism, is that there are a lot of people in the United States who just don't consume news at all anymore. That the number of people following the news has declined by 11% in just the last year. And those people are what we call news bystanders, and they're not paying attention at all. And that's not good for a democracy when you've got people who don't pay attention to the news. But when it's so distracting and disturbing and polarizing, in a way you can't blame them. And that's where I wish the media establishment would get together, and not necessarily all in the same room, but that they would uh, have a kind of a, a reframing of their vision and look at themselves and say, what can we do to engage our citizens in the issues of the day and let them look at them in a serious way, even with opinion and analysis, but not in the, in the demonizing fashion that disrupts everybody. Because, I mean, ultimately our society hinges on being able to debate things in a civil manner. And I'm sure you know this, John, there are a lot of, there are a lot of media organizations that are not interested in civil debate anymore. And uh, when you go on the Internet, you see a lot of people engaging in just really hateful and polarizing, informa- you know, criticisms of, inf- of information yeah. and, and each other. And that's not going to help us uh, ever turn things around around here. Well, speaking of uh, viewership going down, CNN, uh, since Joe Biden became president, Jake Tapper, I saw today, has lost 75 percent of his audience since January. How does a guy lose 75 percent of his audience and keep his job? That's what I'd like to know. Well, one of the reasons is a lot of the other shows on CNN are down just about as much. So yeah. CNN, CNN would have to uh, clean out the whole dugout, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, the whole, the, the whole analogy in sports is you can't get rid of the whole team. You've got to keep somebody there. Yeah, well, that was my next question, Jeff, was, um, you know, at what point do you, you know, you've got to make some lineup changes. Brian Stelter, his, uh, his uh, ratings are down. They're in the toilet, as you said. At, at some point, I mean, you look at the, the ratings, and CNN is at the, this, the bottom 15 shows are all on CNN. At some point, don't you go in there and throw a hand grenade and just, uh, you know, clean the place out? Yes, CNN corporate rate made a real big mistake several years ago when they decided to go woke, so to speak, and to get into partisanship rather than, I mean, CNN for years had a great reputation as a place where you could go and get some, you know, fair commentary and a pretty straight shot at most of the news stories. And they had, you know, opinion people from both sides of the issue. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson used to be on CNN years ago, for example. But, you know, that all went away. Uh, that happened a lot with Jeff Zucker, who's the president of CNN now, that kind of like, we're going to go all in against the Trump administration, be part of the Trump resistance. And they played that hand, and now it's blowing up on them. And, you know, CNN's a great example, but I'm here to tell you, MSNBC's ratings have also gone down the drain as well. And some of the MSNBC shows are at historic low ratings. Uh, Joy Reid's program has really tough. Maddow's lost a lot of her audience. Uh, Chris Hayes, uh, they're having some of the lowest ratings at MSNBC that they've had in years. Uh, and, it, and it's worth noting that Fox News has had an audience decline as well, but they're not nearly struggling as much as MSNBC and CNN. 
Uh, and I think part of it is, frankly, that uh, they don't have Trump to kick around anymore. Right. The Biden administration, frankly, is n- not that interesting to watch because it's, you know, not uh, well, they're, they're not necessarily that effective. They've got a lot of problems. So it's hard to go on MSNBC with a straight face in the evening and cheerlead for the Biden administration because they're not necessarily hitting on all cylinders, uh, to, to put it mildly. And so even for the left-leaning viewers who would like to go in and, you know, watch MSNBC or CNN and see, you know, the successes or the triumphs of the Biden administration, there aren't that many of those to talk about. Trump is still relatively out of the limelight. Um, and you can't make boogeymen out of Mitch McConnell and people like that every night because they're just not that not prominent that interesting. In, the, yeah. in the American mindset. Hey, Jeff, I'm out of time, and we didn't even get the chance to talk to Jeff Tubin. Bringing, bringing him back was a brilliant move. Uh, maybe <laughs> next time. Another we'll, we'll CNN blunder. Yeah. Another, and that should have been clearing out the dugout, too. Yep. Hey, thanks, Jeff, as always. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, Jeff McCall, communications professor at DePaul University. I'll be right back. SRN News, I'm John Scott. In a briefing aboard Air Force One, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says President Biden and the First Lady will visit Surfside, Florida on Thursday. They want to thank the heroic first responders, search and rescue teams, and everyone who's been working tirelessly around the clock and meet with the families who have been forced to endure this terrible tragedy, waiting in anguish and heartbreak for word of their loved ones to offer them comfort as search and rescue efforts continue. Mr. Biden has offered federal help and extended his concerns to the community as people grieve their lost loved ones. The number of confirmed dead stands at 11 with 150 people still unaccounted for. The hottest day of a dangerous heat wave scorched the Pacific Northwest again on Monday. Seattle hit 108 degrees. A slight cool down into the 90s starts today. Stocks are mixed now. The Dow is down a dozen points. The Nasdaq is up six. This is SRN News. Let's be boring and do a commercial about cash out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years, while rates have come so far down, we've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment, and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage maker. For all licensing information, go to Analyst Consumer Access. Dot corporate Analyst Number 1330. Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Dennis Prager believes we are living in the irrational. The risks of a COVID-19 vaccine may outweigh the benefits for children, young adults, and people who have recovered from COVID-19. Why are we giving this to children? Why are colleges demanding that you be vaccinated before you could go there? We live in the age of the irrational. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. 
the answer. Considering a Christian education? Champion Christian School is partnering with this station to offer half off a year's tuition for first-time enrollees. For parents in the Uniontown area, Champion presents an outstanding public school alternative for pre-K through 12th grade students at their campuses in Donegal and Champion, featuring strong academics, certified teachers, and a developmental approach that helps every child reach their God-given potential. That's half off a year's tuition while it lasts at TheAnswerPGH.com slash tuitions. 2021 is the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air, allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter, and with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navage users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We are all stacked up on outbound 28 between Butler Street and the Highland Park Bridge. At least an extra 15 minutes with the volume there. Parkway East, heavy inbound 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound also stacks up Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Parkway West looking at some improvement there. Delays very minor. Outbound 65 still slowing Eckerd Street up to the McKees Rocks Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see a thunderstorm in spots this evening. Otherwise, partly cloudy skies tonight. It'll be humid with a low of 72. Tomorrow will be humid with more clouds than sun. A strong afternoon thunderstorm. Those storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds. We'll see a high of 84. Thursday will be cloudy and humid with a couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm. Watch for flash flooding Thursday. We'll see a high of 73. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Now, by now, you know that Tucker Carlson says uh, that he has proof that the government has been spying on him. Most of the media are mocking him, but this is nothing new. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson, who hosts Full Measure on the Sinclair Network here on the local Fox affiliate and is an investigative reporter, was on this show back in January of 2020 to talk about her suit against the Department of Justice and Rod Rosenstein, who was the acting director of the FBI, a judge threw out the suit. He said Rosenstein was protected by qualified immunity. I'm sure you've heard of that. I believe Cheryl Atkinson. See what you think. You're suing the former Deputy Attorney General of the United States for spying on you. That's a, it's a pretty big target. It's not going to be easy, is it? Well, nothing about this case has been easy because... To state the obvious, when the people who did it to you are the ones that control the law enforcement body or the law enforcement mechanism, it makes it nearly impossible to get justice, even through the civil court system. But I still think it's worth trying. I would note that 
it's our information, as I suspected all along, that I was, I'm the least of which this happened to. There were hundreds of people that were illegally spied on outside the FISA court system by the government. And I think that's why this case is so important not to let go. Uh, is there any doubt that your computers and phones were hacked? Is there any doubt about that? No, there's no challenge to that. We've known that five to six years through. Now we have five separate forensics exams that confirm the government nature of the intrusions through the software and the IP addresses. And these forensics, I'm told, according to the forensics people, this is irrefutable. There's not a question as to whether the government was in my computer. The controversy was once we started suing, the Department of Justice obstructed and delayed for years. And then the judge ended up saying, agreeing with the Department of Justice, hey, you don't have the names of the agents. We're suing them as John Doe's. You don't have the names, so the case shouldn't go forward. On appeal, one judge saw it our way, one federal appeals judge, who said, how could she have the names when you never allowed discovery, never got a single piece of paper from the Department of Justice? So that was sort of the sticking point. Now we have names. I mean, it's really an impossible task and a miracle that we got some, but we did. And I still think I'm kind of jaded about our justice system now, but even if you bring the guys who say, I did it in handcuffs to the court, if the Department of Justice doesn't want to do anything with it, we'll never get to the proof stage. We'll never be able to present that. They should already be prosecuting this case, and they're not. Yeah, uh, uh, so you did have someone come forward and admit to this, correct? Someone uh, yes. within, the, uh, was it within the DOJ or within the, one of the agencies? Someone who worked for the Department of Justice for, for various agencies uh, under DOJ over a period of time and has said I was part of it personally. So this is someone confessing, and that's about as good as it gets, but even that's not enough when you're confessing about the law enforcement body, DOJ, that has to prosecute the crime and won't do it. Well, how much, um, I mean, I know you want to win the case, but what kind of value would there be just in getting the publicity that this deserves? And is it getting that? I think it's, it's getting more publicity than the case has gotten to date. We've gotten some print articles, and that's, I guess, the main goal, because I'm a little bit, as I said, cynical and jaded about what can happen through the court system or through Department of Justice. But I argue that if red flags like what happened to me hadn't gotten largely ignored, we wouldn't have 2016. And if we don't do something about it now, we can expect more of the same. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It's important not because it happened to me. It's important because this is happening on a scale we probably have no idea about, just a little public hint. So the publicity, I think, as you point out, this is the best thing I can hope for today. And what I'm really, I'm really happy that at least it's gotten attention and word of these uh, revelations have gotten out. Now, this is a lawsuit uh, and not a criminal investigation. So if, it's, if you win the lawsuit, then somebody was guilty of some serious stuff there breaking some laws, uh, what follows? Let's say you win the lawsuit. What happens the next day? Well, the next day, I guess we just say that we held somebody accountable. They will have to pay something um, theoretically, All right. which is not the point of this, but they will have to have some accounting or some punishment. But even then, as you said, I have no power to launch a criminal prosecution. That's up to the agency who's responsible for doing the the crime. So we're back to square one with that unless, you know, they, they really decide to take care of business. Disappointingly, it's been very much the same 
this case fighting the Department of Justice under Obama and Trump, very similar with the same people fighting it. So I, I don't know that that's going to change. And, and you're dealing with holdovers from the Obama administration, the, the people who you say hacked your computers and your phones. I don't know who the people are. They're just career Department of Justice people who don't change and continue to fight the suit the same way they did under President Obama. Yeah. And, and so what were they looking for in your case? Well, according to the information, um, this began under Fast and Furious when I was speaking to government informants about the government gun walking case that they were denying at the time that they later admitted and apologized for. Some of my sources were ATF agents and people working in the federal government, and the government was trying to crack down on those people, trying to find out who was talking, and I think trying to punish them in some cases, perhaps plant classified documents as they did in my computer or do other mischief to try to stop and shape this reporting. The surveillance continued as I covered many other stories, including the Benghazi attacks and more. So it began under Fast and Furious, but it, it kept going. I would uh, guess that would uh, be kind of chilling to a person in your line of work, being an investigative reporter, um, that uh, ought to see that pop, see things pop up on your computer that tell you that somebody's been sneaking around in there. Well, just to be clear, no, nothing ever flagged that to me. I had sources tell me it was happening. Oh, okay. This was before Edward Snowden, before any of these revelations. So it sounded crazy until. A contact of mine, and I can now say it's a former FBI unit chief and a lawyer, got the initial forensics exam and came back and said, wow, we, meaning his government colleagues, were all shocked that someone in the government did this to you, but there's no doubt about it. And then much later, a third computer that was not involved in all of this, there was a physical sign while I was on it of someone being on it with me. They can operate your, your computers remotely, I learned. And that was a different computer, and someone, you know, analysts said that was done so that I could see it, in their opinion, so that I could know they were watching, that they were, you know, engaging in some kind of mischief. Wow. And um, how far up does it go? Well, we, we're suing, as you know, Rod Rosenstein, who was U.S. Right. attorney at the time in Baltimore, where this unit was based that was doing the illegal hacking. Um, and I will only say we have other information, but we're not comfortable suing over it. So as, as of now, we say it went as far as Rod Rosenstein. Okay. And um, the name CrowdStrike uh, pops up in the suit. We've heard that name out there uh, and tied in with uh, the hacking of the Democratic, uh, um, Democratic Committee computers um, and their emails. How is CrowdStrike involved in this uh, lawsuit? Well, let me go to that first. CrowdStrike is the private company that the Democratic National Committee called in to investigate its supposed Russian hacking because it didn't want, for whatever reason, the FBI to look into it, but they let this private company named CrowdStrike do so. FBI never saw it. Um, CrowdStrike, as it happens, I didn't know this either, one of the top people there uh, is a guy named Sean Henry who came from the FBI. And we're suing him because our information is that when he was at the FBI as a top official, he was part of this chain that was doing the allegedly illegal surveillance on me and other Americans. So he left to go to CrowdStrike after this operation uh, of the illegal surveillance. But that's why he's in the suit. Okay. And so and as you uh, deal with what you had to uh, uh, overcome personally with this and deal with personally, 
What do you think about what's going on with FISA and uh, and all the all the people who uh, we keep hearing are eventually going to be in big trouble when the uh, when the investigation is finished and when they when the indictments come down? I can't help but wonder whether anybody is going to be in big trouble, other than maybe you know a few selected sacrificial lambs, I guess you would say. Um, You know, with the FISA court now nominating or appointing this hugely anti-Trump liberal lawfare blogger lawyer to help oversee FBI fixes as the FBI then thanks itself and says, we won't do it again. I'm not very comforted by that. This all is a rerun of what happened in the early 2000s when the FBI got caught doing mischief in the FISA court and promised to fix it. Well, I don't think they can fix it from within. I think that's pretty clear. And if it's left up to them and to the FISA court where all these abuses happened to come up with the fixes, I'm not confident at all that there will be. I think there has to be something bigger. And I've heard from some pretty high-ranking members of Congress that they seem to think the whole FISA court might go away because of all this. Now, if you ask me, I'll say the people who influence to make sure things don't change and to make sure things stay the way they are, are powerful enough that I would put my money on keeping the FISA court as it is. But there is definitely some momentum for just doing away with it and replacing it with something entirely different. We're talking to Cheryl Atkinson. She's the host of Full Measure, which you can watch here on Fox 53 Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, Sinclair Network. Um, you've said uh, in a quote that I saw in a piece, uh, I think it was on Epic, the Epic Times, uh, you'll never get to the proof. They have six ways from Sunday to keep a case from going forward. So, I mean, I asked you this before, but that sounds like somebody who doesn't like their chances. I have learned a lot over six years. I thought if you brought proof that's irrefutable, that the government had been in your computers, which we had, that something happens with that. I learned you never get to the stage where you can present that to a jury or have that be considered if you are obstructed by the very powerful Justice Department with limitless funding of taxpayer money to make sure you run out of money or time on a statute of limitations. So it's hard to be confident. And and the sad irony is it's hard to be confident even when you have the proof, the forensics, and a confession. But I'm determined to at least bring forth all the information to light in the public domain as possible. And if we get more done out of this, even better. But I think if, if viewers and readers and listeners keep talking about it and press and lobby their members of Congress and the Justice Department and the Trump administration not to sweep this under the rug, that's our only hope. As you've been going through this, have you ever felt um, physically threatened or have you felt just, uh, I don't know, in any way threatened by the government? Not not just by what they're, you know, the very fact of what they're doing should be threatening to everybody, but I mean, you personally, have you felt any kind of threats headed your way? I- I have had intelligence officials who work inside the government tell me that I should be, you know, feel threatened. I've had them come to my house and look at my car, make sure there's nothing in my car. I've had them sweep the house. I've had them tell me I should take certain precautions. Nothing's happened to me other than, you know, the fact of the surveillance and what perhaps they intended to do uh, with the computers and maybe perhaps even plant information and try to get us in trouble. That's all very chilling. But, um... Nothing physically has happened to me, so I I tend to think if I made it this far with the complaints and the stuff that I've exposed, that I'm probably okay. (laughs) 
What are the people who are involved in this most afraid of? I mean, aside from the obvious, they don't want to be caught doing what they've been doing. But what 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 is the thing that bothers them the most about this? Uh, is it get, is exposing leaks? Is it exposing what they did? Is it both? I think it's both. I think they also wanted to know what news was coming. So if you look at this more as a routine operation they were doing to a lot of people rather than an aberration where I was some sort of singular target of a special operation, I think they're doing this to so many people. It's a routine monitoring of people that they need to know who they're talking to and what they're thinking and what they're saying. And they need to try to bring certain people under control if they're leaking or speaking out. I think... It's just more of a routine thing done by people who want to control the news, news people, uh, politicians, and whoever else they're looking at. That's the scary part. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple minutes left here with Cheryl Atkinson, uh, who is suing uh, the uh, Department of Justice. Um, for her, her computer and her phones, her computers and phones were uh, hacked. So how long uh, is this going to go on, Cheryl? I mean, uh, and these things can, tend to drag on, as everybody knows. It does. Uh, um, though in our case, because this has been going on so long, we're near the end of the statutory limitation, the time that we can even complain and talk about this, even as we get new information. So I have a feeling this will be dispensed of fairly quickly. We're also in something called the Rocket Docket Court in Virginia that does tend to after years of it sitting around in D.C. court, when we were transferred to Virginia, although we didn't get the outcome we wanted, it did go quickly. This this court moves much faster. So I don't think this will drag out for years. As It's been six years so far, but I don't think it'll be another six years. So just finishing up, um, in, in general, is this a, uh, when I say problem, I don't mean your problem, I mean the government problem. Is this a Republican or a Democrat problem, or is are you expecting or have you already found that it's everybody? I would say it's everybody. I would say because of the technology that came available during the eight years of the Obama administration and because of some of the cyber initiatives that were funded and expanded under the Obama administration, that a lot of this mischief got bigger during that time. But it had certainly started previous to that, and I believe it continues today evidenced by the fact that um, someone hasn't stepped in with the obvious and said a wrong was committed. Let's find out who was responsible, how many people were victimized, and let's punish them. Nobody, is, nobody has said the obvious that, that would be done if we were in a system that wasn't conflicted. Uh, I, and one thing I forgot to ask you about, because you kind of brought it up right there, is that this, the things that were used to uh, tap into your, hack into your, uh, your computer and your phones um, only the government has access to those uh, devices or to that me- to those methods, right? Well, the two things that tell us this was a government intrusion, this was right off the bat, were the software that was inserted in the computer, which is partly how they surveilled me and my keystrokes and monitored through Skype and so on. The software is proprietary to a federal government agency. That means it's government software. Number two, IP addresses internet protocol addresses found in the computer forensically belonged to the government and were not invited. They were intrusive IP addresses that were running in the background of the computer and accessing. Those are government-owned. So those two irrefutable pieces of forensic evidence are what got us, um, and I'm probably oversimplifying and maybe not describing it technically perfectly because I just talked to the forensics people, but those are the pieces of evidence that told them right away what this was. 
Well, Cheryl, I really appreciate you being on, and uh, everybody should appreciate what you're doing, and uh, everybody, I think, is rooting for this thing to uh, go in the right direction, if you know what I mean. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Tell people to tweet about it, talk about it, pressure, you know, press, press for some sort of action. Thank you so much. I will do that. Thank you very much. That's Cheryl Atkinson, and we'll be right back. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. That offers valid through 63021. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing, as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine, and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial-strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and $10 coupon using code PETS. That's $10 coupon using code PETS. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950. Much cheaper than replacing your carpets. Warning. Listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. I hope you noticed that uh, Cheryl Atkinson way back in January of 2020 said she didn't expect anybody to pay a price for the FISA stuff, the violations. Anyway, I want to finish with uh, my favorite thing, the Babylon Bee. Uh, breaking news, frustrated women demand trans women in public restrooms stop leaving the toilet seat up. With more and more public bathroom facilities now allowing biological men and women's restrooms, women are dealing with the frustrating problem of always walking into a bathroom stall and finding someone has left the toilet seat up. We're sick of it, said one probably transphobic woman. We women have to deal with this all the time at home with our husbands or boyfriends, and now this? What's it going to take for you men or uh, women to stop leaving the toilet seat up? Some facilities had previously addressed this problem by gluing down the toilet seats, but were later told that this was transphobic since some trans women need to lift the toilet seat for unknown reasons completely unrelated to physiology. This is a crisis, said Senator Chuck Schumer to reporters, and one that can only be solved through far-reaching legislation. Rest assured, the Democrat Party is working on a solution to the toilet seat issue. 
Congress has promised to intervene in this crisis by enacting legislation that would require full-time bathroom butlers to be paid a living wage to stay in women's restrooms and put the toilet seats down after each use. And it's high time somebody did something about it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.